This is GWC podcast number 348, recorded November 4th, 2012. In this episode, we take some listener calls and discuss the George Lucas Disney acquisition, as well as video game heroes. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart in the future. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you can introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Indeed. God, the weather is beautiful here. It is. It was like 80 degrees I yesterday. I almost feel guilty. I mean, the rest of the country is just like suffering with yeah. horrible like, hurricane after effects snow. and everything. I was going to say. It's Without horrible. Power. I know. It's so, it's like, it's awful because here it's like beautiful. It's idyllic. It's just it's not fair. 72 out today and, and in the uh, in Jersey, New York, we just hope you all are getting enough heating oil, gas, and food. God. Wow. Although you're not listening to us right now because you have no electricity to download this anyway. So when you hear this, we hope you got enough yeah, gas, no kidding. heating oil, and food. Really sorry. A whole lot of GWC listeners Damn. affected by yeah, this. Yeah, a ton of people out family. there in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah back, uh, back east and stuff. Although it's it's kind of funny. It's You hear from them like sporadically because, you know, when they can charge and hit the internet and everything like that and they'll post pics and, and everything and it's it's pretty freaky, you know. Some areas it hit pretty hard, and the further inland you go, it's it's much better, you yeah. know. And and it's, but a lot of devastation. Just, I mean, this is a nine hundred mile wide swath of water and destruction, you know. Wow. I've been checking yeah. the weather, you know, in, in New York each day, and just thinking, man, you know, it's going to get cold tonight. I hope hope people are right, and because I remember, I mean, nothing like this but i remember as a kid you know there were these ice storms and stuff like that and you'd be out of power for a week or a week and a half in the middle of winter and it's just god you know and and it's like if you have friends or, or family or someone that you can kind of like pool your resources and and hang out together and you know someone's got like a wood stove you can use or, or gas range or you know share your stuff but not everybody has that you know yeah yeah i mean i've got uh i've got relatives spread from New Brunswick, New Jersey to, you know, 
Baltimore and New York and DC and all that. So, I mean, all, all over that deal. So yeah, it's, it's not fun over there. So we hopeful, hopefully everything's cool or at least as cool as it can be. You know, I, I heard, um, there was like a little piece that was kind of unusual. They were talking about animals who were displaced and everything. And, um, there was this place up in, I, I think it was in New Jersey, but there was this place where there are a bunch of cats that uh, hang out and it's kind of like an abandoned area. And there's this old guy who sort of takes care of them, you know, and uh, they were interviewing him on NPR and they're like 23 cats. And he said that they all made it. They're all safe. Oh, and he, nice. he saw them. Yeah. He has names for each one of them and, and he knows like he could talk about all of them and stuff. And it was really cool. But he saw them um, the day after the flood. Uh, he like went out to look for them and he saw them all walking single file in a line like out like looking for food and stuff but they were all just like walking wow. in a line i just can't even imagine i've never seen cats do that before i pity the rodent who comes across a line <laughs> of 23 hungry cats <laughs> holy crap it's yeah. over <laughs> for, for that yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Like the hunter killer and uh, Terminator. It's, oh, yeah, it's like, like a <laughs> column of panzers, man. They've got like silent <laughs> eyes. <moving. laughs> death, furry death, run! Wow. Well, we have a well. We have some news, indeed. So I think we probably should uh, jump on that. News. You'll have to excuse Chuck. He's a little distracted. <laughs> I'm ride my bike. He wants to go out bike riding. Chuck got See, a new bike. He's very stoked. <laughs> I would have fixed that in editing, and no one would have known. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to edit that. You're gonna, I Fine. My bike. I'll leave it in. I do. I got a new bike. I've been riding the same old. This is not really news, but I've been riding the same old, like 1980s giant with. Like Franken bike. Oh yeah, and Actually, everybody makes fun of them and everything. Oh uh, no, that's not bad. even the, the worst of it. Is that I didn't even know until like later. <laughs> he had quietly been for weeks carrying a little kit around with him because when he was out like twenty <laughs> miles apart. from home, yeah, the chain would come off and the you know the gears don't work and you know he can't shift and everything. Yes, to like, say he a can't little even get up a hill every time he wants to change gears. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't any low gears that work anymore so he can't get up a hill. And he was bringing this little <laughs> oh, toolkit around with him and oh yeah, but he's bringing this little kit around with him and like every 10 miles he'd have to like pull over and and re, you know, repair the bike and stuff and I was like, "Oh my god, you know, we've got to get you a bike." So And that has so been we did. fixed. Indeed. <laughs> I want to ride my bike. All right. those years of getting screwed over with the December birthday and, and Christmas oh, yeah. blend, no, you know, that, we're not uh, going to let that happen. You know, no, that's awesome. Now the birthday Christmas blend gift is Yeah, this is was killer. worth it. This yeah. was worth it indeed. <laughs> so we have one really big piece of news this week to talk about because I think it'll affect a lot of listeners, which is the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm for, what is it? So for some four, odd billion. Four, four billion, billion dollars. Change, yeah. This is along the same lines of the, uh, I'm not an expert, but it's along the same lines of the, uh, of the Marvel acquisition a while back, right? Yeah. The movie rights anyway. And dogs and cats living together, <laughs> total chaos. <laughs> we have a bunch of calls, but there's one call that I think might kind of kick us off here. Hey, this is Mr. Dim from the GWC forums. 
Uh, I love the podcast. I've been power listening to them since I found out about it. I'm almost caught up. I'm about five away from the current one. Uh, this is a message about Disney acquiring Lucasfilms. Uh, I was wondering if that means that they're going to acquire any of the Star Wars rights or if that was separate. And if so, I think it means that we're likely to see more Jar Jar Binks style Star Wars. Uh, keep up the good work. I love listening to you guys. Thanks. So definitely thanks for calling. Uh, the quick answer, which I think uh, some people are probably thinking right now, is that, yes, of course, the that is the purpose of the acquisition was the Star Wars rights. And they do have them. And you are going to see more Star Wars. They have already announced a uh, an Episode 7 which will be coming, what was it, 2016? Uh, 2015. 2015, yeah. okay. And, uh, and I think that uh, this caller has kind of expressed the question that kicks all of this off, which is, what's next? You know, we know we're going to get more Star Wars. You can't argue that's good, you know. On the other hand, what kind is it going to be? Because, let's face it, there have been a lot of people that have... Uh, there's been a lot of hate for episodes, you know, one, two, and three. But those were made outside of the confines of, of Disney. Absolutely. So I mean, not, it was Lucas. That's yeah. what we're saying. I mean, then I think there are concerns on one side that, that it will be Disneyfied in that it will be kiddish, kid, childlike, or it will be uh, targeted at a different audience. On the other hand, there are also people who have been really negative about one, two, and three in Lucas. So, uh who knows? Yeah, I have to admit, my first reaction was that I kind of want to wait and see because, I mean, Tron Legacy, which I really enjoy, is a Disney movie. And I feel like, you know, Disney has shown itself capable of producing films that are appealing to adults without being kiddie. And, well, and, look at Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I mean, that's some of the, the biggest property out there other than, you know, the, the big main established things. They can do that kind of thing. Uh, there's also, uh, sorry, Audra, I didn't mean to No, no, on. go ahead. Um, there's also the, the thought, the two thoughts really occur to me and we've, uh, I've talked about this with various people over the course of the last week. Just oh, yeah. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> everybody on. has an yeah. opinion about this. I ran this. into the dean from one of our other campuses, and uh, I never see him like just like once or twice a year or whatever, and he's this huge sci-fi person. And uh, he was on my campus visiting, and I was like, hey, we passed each other in a stairwell. And he's like, what'd you think about that Disney takeover? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So everybody, everybody's yeah, talking. Yeah. There's... There's the the camp that's like okay, well, oh my gosh, Disney got this. Uh, they're just going to Disneyfy. Well, if you think about it, there's only six or seven people who could afford <laughs> well, yeah. to buy it. Now, of that, you have stuff like Paramount and Time Time Warner and and uh, some of those. And no, Time Warner is Time Warner, ABC, and Disney are all yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're the different studio production houses and all that kind of Disney will will be taking this. Uh -huh. Largely more than anything else. It's all the same people, <laughs> but but uh, there's, I mean, there's Paramount, there's Fox who did not get it, which is kind of funny because ever at, yeah. at the front of every Star Wars has right. been a, a Fox opening, which is I don't know if that's a snub for them or they just couldn't afford it or nobody wanted to didn't sell want it. To it. Them. Yeah, didn't want it. There's there's didn't all kinds of things. Worth but, the or didn't have the money to uh, the free money to uh, really monetize it. Of the people who were capable of doing it. I don't know. I think it went to the right people. Uh, Disney, whatever your 
uh, I guess, initial reaction, uh, Disneyfying and all that stuff. And it's kind of funny because Padme and uh, Princess Leia are now Disney princesses, um, which is kind of funny to me. But uh, of the people who are capable of, of pushing these stories and making them go through, Disney's not a bad choice, which means, you know, with Lucasfilm, they have ILM. They already have Disney's very capable effects labs and, and all that kind of stuff and access to Pixar now, which you can throw at it, although I don't know what Pixar can do that ILM can't. But you're capable of doing these movies. You're also capable of following a, a decent storyline. Uh, there's a, tons of backstory for it, but I think a lot of the problem with 1, 2, and 3 were Lucas might have gotten in the way a little bit. Um I, I'm not going to say it's, it sounds strange to say, but I think star Wars has kind of gone a little beyond what Lucas is capable of following through with. And we see a little bit of that in one, two and three personal opinion. No, I, I think that's shared by a lot of people. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, this strikes me as a positive, my personal opinion, the example you gave uh, Tron legacy, Audra. I mean, I think Disney has kind of done all they can money wise with those, with children's animation. I think for quite some time, Disney has been trying to go beyond that without spoiling their original mission. And, and you end up with things like Tron legacy that, you know, yeah, yeah. You're probably not going to see, uh, you know, a movie like shame or something right (laughs) from, from Disney. On the other hand, you're, you're not going to, that doesn't mean that they're all going to be targeted at children either. And, and those extremes, they just don't work with a business that large. So I, I and your points are are I are very well taken, Sean, that they have the money, they have the ability to actually do it. I mean, let's face it, this was such a large acquisition that there just aren't that many people that could spend enough to make the much more they would get back. I wouldn't be if surprised you it to me, to, I'd be worthless, you know. I mean, if Disney as a company wanted to start its own kind of um you know, and when I say I don't mean adult film like adult film, but <laughs> um, but if if Disney wanted to start its own kind of new project that focused on films that were you know more geared toward adults, it could. So if it wants to do that with Star Wars, I'm sure it's going to. Well, take I think great they've already been to, doing that for well, years. Yeah, I mean, look at the Pirates franchise. I mean, that's three, four movies that they. Uh, I guess the yeah, it's four movies that they went. Okay, this is not going to be just for kids. This is going to be for adults too. There's going to be adult themes in it, and there's going to be this large fantasy story that they did from nothing, and suddenly it works, and it's worth. You know, I think the the entirety of the franchise is worth close to a billion dollars. That ain't bad, and that's one franchise that they just created by themselves. Now. Imagine what they can do with a franchise that's already established. Everybody knows who it is. They've got the marketing and licensing rights to the entire deal. The only thing they didn't get in the the deal, from what I understand, is LucasArts, which does the games. But they got all the film stuff, which means they can do all the collateral behind it. They're going to make their their four billion back. Well, yeah, I mean, let's I don't know how it. long it's going to take. You're That's still a lot buying of money. Star Wars products now. Yeah, I mean, there's not. We had no hope of another movie. And we're still buying Star Wars products. So, I mean, this is a moneymaker, no doubt about it. I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled that there will be more content. I was talking to Juan about this. We were actually talking about some technical stuff for the podcast, but but we couldn't help but talk about yeah, this, too. Yeah. You know? And Juan said something I thought was real. Juan was like, you know what? It's new Star Wars. Love it or hate it. 
it's new Star Wars. Good point. Yeah. You know, and you just cannot be unexcited about about now i'm gonna go see it and as far as the the kitty stuff i think there's a section for that now they've had a lot of success with clone wars lots and clone wars is excellent and that's yeah. that's disney already right clone wars is no. it not no oh okay no, still lucas okay see what i mean it's like they don't have to make a movie that's all jar jar binks in order to get their money i mean that's just dumb they they can make a Star Wars movie for adults. They can make Clone Wars for for children, and they can sell the toys to freaking all of us. You know, I mean, it's just and posters and t shirts and figurines and all the rest of that stuff. It, it's they'll make their full billion back. I'm not sure what their plan is. I mean, obviously, you have a plan when you spend four billion dollars. There is a business plan. Okay, we're not. They're not going to tell us what that. <laughs> Actually, there is a plan. Hey, step one: take that stuff. Step three. <laughs> step two. Sell it to everybody. (laughs) Step three, profit. I wanted to talk about that for a second, the business plan, because um, one of the things that's most impressive to me about this, and I'm sure a lot of people, is that Lucas is giving almost all of that money to education. I don't know about all of it. Is it? Well... It's a substantial chunk from what I understand. Let me... me, Not all of it, no. they, They don't... They haven't said yet, or, or Lucas hasn't said yet, which charity or which particular organization uh, will get this money. But um, now he signed that agreement, right? That with uh, with Gates and 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 Buffett, right? That said that that essentially the they agreed that if you have more than a certain amount of money, you just don't need it. There's nothing you can do on the planet that's of value to you. Uh, you can have anything you want, and you should. You should give the majority of it. Yeah, like a philanthropy. Yeah, I can't uh, remember the name of it. But they it literally really signed cool. a, pa- a pact to yeah. say that. Let's do it. People think it'll likely be this uh, organization or a foundation called Edutopia. That's which, already his, right? Uh, it, he already- which he's he's the chairman of it, and it says it empowers innovative coursework in schools. But, oh, that's awesome. Um, so we don't know exactly, but here's. Um, in in 2010, this is what Lucas said, and I love this quote. Uh, he wrote, I'm dedicating the majority of my wealth to improving education. It is the key to the survival of the human race. We have to plan for our collective future. And the first step begins with the social, emotional, and intellectual tools we provide to our children. As humans, our greatest tool for survival is our ability to think and to adapt. As educators, storytellers, and communicators, our responsibility is to continue to do so. Damn straight. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, my understanding is he's giving a, a large portion of this four billion to education in some form, which wow. Yeah. I mean what that means, if you think about a guy like Andrew Carnegie, right? Who had some dubious views, you know. Dubious views, he was a miserable crap bag and then tried yes. to spend his way out of it. And he was a social Darwinist, which I have a lot of problems with. And yet, he left endowments for libraries and public knowledge. Yeah, he that wasn't still comfortable. Yeah, so his money's awesome. Yeah, his money's awesome. He wasn't comfortable being seen as the bad guy that he often was to get his money. Right. And uh, <laughs> so he he left some cash to try and buy his way clean, which. You yeah. know when my thinking really kind of swapped about some of that? It's like Audra and I were at the uh, uh, at the uh, Sci-Fi Museum in, in Seattle. Actually, it's part of the EMP, right? What's it called? 
uh, something music project. I can't remember. It's the same building, but it's oh, under the, the base, Space Needle. at the base of the yeah. Space Needle in Seattle. Yeah, this is back in 2006. Yeah, it's still there. Uh, but, oh, yeah, yeah. But, we went, though, and... Yeah, when we looked at the Sci-Fi Museum, I guess a lot of the Sci-Fi Museum was donated by, gosh, who was it that worked Paul with? Paul Allen. Right, Paul Allen, one of the Microsoft... Uh, Gurus. Right, early Microsoft people. <laughs> Employee four. Kind yeah. of, two, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it but, was right in there. Yeah, and but what really caught me was we were walking out in the lobby, you know, the bathrooms and everything, and in the lobby, there's a there was a piece of Spaceship One in a little box on the wall and it, and a picture on the bottom with Paul Allen with it and pointing out that Paul Allen put up a, almost a majority of the funding to make that happen. And I was like, you know, it's my ship. Bitch. There's only so much. I just thought that was so true. There's the only ship is bananas. <laughs> How much money do you really need? And and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have nice things or but there comes a point where you could have any damn thing you wanted. It would make a dent in it, you know? Yeah. And those guys are there and just to yeah. see them say, "You know what? Time to do some good." That's awesome. Well, what I was what I was thinking is like, you know, guys like Andrew Carnegie, it's it's been, you know, 100 years and we still are benefiting pretty, pretty significantly from his endowments, you know, and he set it up so that it would continue to sustain over a long time. And now think about guys like Bill and Melinda Gates and, and now Lucas. I mean, what they're doing, I think maybe even, and I don't know numerically, but it may be even culturally more impactful than what Carnegie was doing a hundred years from now. People may be saying, yeah, you know, this library exists because of George Lucas or, or something like that. I, I mean, would love that, to hear Lucas awesome, instead of Andrew Carnegie on the damn, <laughs> oh, yeah. on frickin' NPR. I was a rule bastard who killed thousands of people in a damn accident. I would love to see George Lucas's name plastered like that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yes, I it just, is. I mean, the, these it's are like the, the good big... without all the death and destruction and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's just well, how cool is it? Well, except for Death that, Stars, but... Well, I mean, yeah. How cool is it that some of our biggest philanthropists of the day are sci-fi geeks, artists, and and computer programmers? You know, Damn right. yeah, yeah, not just well, you know, big corporate. Well, they are too. They're that too. Well, they're yes, that too. But they're but not. They're <laughs> not like. I earned this money with the death of the common citizenry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow, that's rough, man. We do have a couple of more calls if you guys want to. Liam. Hey guys, um, Reg from Houston, just um, calling in to give you my opinion on the whole Disney Star Wars thing. Um, You know, I'm a fan of both of those institutions. You know, my dad took me to see Star Wars, the original Star Wars, when I was five, and, you know, I've always been a fan of that. Um, You know, and I'm also a Disney nut. You know, we've been to Disney World, we've been on the cruises, we've, you know, my, my kids have grown up with Disney, I grew up with Disney, so... Um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think it can be good. I mean, you know, I, I liked Tron Legacy. I, I love the Avengers, so I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think if they've got, you know, the right people, you know, taking the Star Wars um, stories and kind of, you know, running with them, I mean, I'm real curious to see what they can do with that. So, you know, I think it's a good thing, and, I mean, I'll go see any Star Wars movie. You know, even if I don't like it, I'll still go see it, because I'm a fan. So, um, that's just my two cents, and um, hope you guys are doing well. Talk to you soon. Bye. Reg! Reg! <laughs> and damn straight, Reg. Yeah, see, 
taking Star Wars and handing it to the people that gave you Tron Legacy and the Avengers, come on. How can that... Come on. That's worth at least going to see. Well, yeah. and here's the deal. <laughs> if you do something like, I don't know, Judge Dredd, you know, and, and fans of Judge Dredd say, I will go see the Judge Dredd movie, and then they Both do. Both of them. Yeah, all 10 of them. <laughs> uh, you know, dozen if it's a good weekend. Yeah. But you look at something like Star Wars, it is oh, yeah. so widespread. And if you are, are, you don't even have to be a geek to go see yeah. Star Wars. I mean, it's so, I'm not going to say common, but popular. Yeah. That you you almost, if you give it enough time, it's become you relatively can't lose mainstream money. for you. Yeah, you cannot lose money. If given enough time, you will not lose money yeah. on this. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a safe bet, even with the numbers you're talking they about. They made money on the Tron, you know, on the on the Tron franchise. Oh, you know what I can't People wait don't even for? You know what the hell that is. And all they remember is the Tron guy. Yeah. You know, and they managed to make good cash on that, so. Well, you know what I can't wait for is uh, the people who were first gen with episodes one, two, and three, and their kids getting into episodes seven, eight, and nine, and their kids being like, like, oh, this is awesome. And they'll be like, no, man, episodes one, two, and three are what it's about. So you much know, better, this man. This doesn't compare to Jar Jar and the, the pod well, races. And <laughs> Actually, they did a, they did a quick um, thing, and I cannot remember who it was. I think it was Probe Researcher. Anyway, uh, the penetrobe, 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 (laughs) the nozzle. Do not stare at the nozzle. (laughs) Um, The probulator. Crap! I have not seen the Venture Brothers uh, Christmas. What? I've got it. It's on the DVR. Oh, dude, it's worth it. Never had a chance. Um, so they've they've done and the uh, this generation, the the one two three generation, right? Actually, identifies more with the Clone Wars. Oh, I bet. Then oh, one, bet. two, and three. Because the story is there's a so lot. much more into yeah. it than than one, two, and three. They're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of continuation. But this generation views the Clone Wars as their thing, much like we view, you know, four, five, and six as ours. And uh, they they much more into that kind of storyline and everything. And actually, the the dark lighter stuff, yeah, as well is is more their their speed. So dark, wait, what's legacy? Legacy. Yeah, there. there no, what were, is that? Oh, you're talking. No, you were talking about Empire. The uh, yeah, the Empire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Empire comics. The yeah, the Empire. The Dark oh. Horse stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Because I I read that that first one. It was awesome. I thought I thought maybe there was a show. I thought I didn't for a minute. About. I don't know what. No, no, no. But the 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 Dark Horse. That's the Cade thing. The the legacy is the far far future time period that they have I, I don't know if it's still running but i have no idea i ran out of cash on star wars comics but <laughs> yeah. the, but legacy is uh was pretty good the part i had yeah I mean, it was uh it was the the descendants of uh luke mm-hmm. okay having some issues now the you one know? i read was that that the one that you introduced to me the the empire one the the big oh, yeah. dark lighter story yeah. that was great yeah, well, they identify with like Biggs Dark Lighter and the Clone Wars a lot more than they do with one, two, and three, or four, five, and six. Really, uh, that's more their their type of thing. <laughs> you got Biggs Dark Lighter, and now you got that movie Argo, and then before you know it, all the kids are going to be running around with bowl cuts and and brawny man mustaches. <laughs> I'm telling before you, before you know I it, it's already happened. I'm predicting it right now. <laughs> Within a year, the kids are going to be running around with bowl cuts and and single. I'll mustaches. take a quarter on that. Yeah, I'll, it'd be I'll, worth yeah, it. Give me, cool. give, me, give me a quarter. She yeah, will be I'll coughing up 50, fifty cents on that one. You got riding on that. Easy. Now. I'll go a quarter Easy. on that. Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs>
No, yeah, the Empire series ran uh, essentially at this pretty much at the same time, effectively as as the four, five, six movies. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but it's become a lot more popular now because of the, oh, the yeah. expanded Clone Wars, definitely. Yeah, because of the expanded content, people are like, oh man, this is cool. Good art plus good story plus you know. I mean that's you can't argue with that with Clone. I I actually have them all on on the DVR. I've been meaning to watch them and I just haven't had a chance. Somebody and I can't remember who it was. It might have been an Operator who is very on top of this. By the way, he's super excited. Nice, anyway, nice. Uh, was telling me that with the purchase of Lucasfilm, the rights to the Dark Horse comic franchise also came with oh, it. Oh good. Oh so good. It didn't go with LucasArts or Dark Horse. It was it. The, the at least the licensing and all that kind of stuff went with Lucasfilm, so they have all that. So with any luck, because Dark Horse has been doing really well, my guess is is that means they're going to offer a lot more in the way of licensing to Dark Horse to I do some so. other things, and, which would be awesome. Yeah, and Dark Horse is pretty friendly with the licensing and and willing to work with a lot of the different franchise rights and all well, that kind of really, stuff. So I mean, I would expect to see some of that come through. Yeah, uh, to be honest, we do have one more call. I was five and a half years old in 1977 when A New Hope came out, and I saw the movie with my parents. I saw all the movies with my parents. When Return of the Jedi came out, I saw it twice that opening day. I saw it once with my dad and my sister, and then I saw it again with my mom later on that night because we all wanted to see it, but we had to see it at different times. I was just lucky enough to see it twice. Fast forward 35 years, I now have a three-and-a-half-year-old nephew. He has seen all the movies multiple times. His parents do cut out the debater death scene when they watch that movie. But his favorite, as many of you will be glad to know, is the Hoth movie. For Halloween, he dressed up as a rebel pilot. In April, for his birthday, I purchased him and gifted him an Obi-Wan Jedi Starfighter and an Obi-Wan figure. And he's played with it ever since. He can't put it down. In May, when he was at my house... Uh, for Shootout's graduation, he played with Shooter Jr.'s Millennium Falcon constantly. We recently received his Christmas top four items. His first item on the list was a Millennium Falcon, just like Uncle, uh, his cousin Shooter Jr., and he has that now. He doesn't know it, but he'll open it Christmas morning. I did buy him one. Sorry, Sean. You he suck, man. You. <laughs> and his next three items was a Han Solo Lego character, a Luke Skywalker Lego character, and an Imperial Probe droid Lego set. I applaud the opportunity for new Star Wars movies. There is a chance it won't turn out with Disney or anybody else, but at least there's a chance. And my three-and-a-half-year-old nephew now will be about five-and-a-half years old when the new movie comes out, and the fact that he gets to see a new Star Wars movie at that age is priceless in my book no matter who does oh, oh two minutes that is awesome shooter. That shooter that's a great point let's and just say yes yes also you suck because <laughs> you have the bloody because <laughs> you have the yeah it's i'm excited i'm i've been through star wars since basically it came out so if you guys i mean all of us really have and it's i am more excited about new content than but I am about the old content, to be honest. It's it's cool. I want to see more. I always want to see more. Um, Squeak has just been introduced to some Star Wars and everything here recently, and her uh, she 
she liked it. It was very, you know, pretty cool for her and everything, but she really grasped on to R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh, yeah. You know, they're shiny, they make cool noises, they do cool things and everything. So They're the ones that I liked as a as a little kid too. Yeah. Before I could really understand what was going on in the movies, those were my two favorites. She she uh she calls three PO three O. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and she's like three O funny. Oh <laughs> so she likes three PO and R two. Um three P three O sad, Daddy. He's sad. He needs a hug. You're like, no, he's just whingy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty normal. Yeah, well, yeah, it's okay. Baby. He really doesn't change. But don't worry, nothing bad happens to him. Well, other than the Jedi one. You know? Well, I think Shooter said it best. At least there's a chance. Yeah. We finally get to talk about, after all this big news last week and news this week, we finally get to talk about video game heroes. And I, Audra, you, I know, had a way to kind of kick off this discussion. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, it's kind of, it's not the most representative of video game heroes. But it does kind of apply. Right. Yeah, we were talking about, um, this This uh, actually was Sean's idea, the video game hero discussion, and um I was thinking about Assassin's Creed 3, which just came out. Chuck snagged me a copy as a surprise. It was awesome because I haven't, I haven't played anything in so long. I've just been focused on work and stuff. So, you know, this weekend I spent a little time playing. And um, it's interesting because you want to talk about heroes and, you know, the kind of protagonist antagonist thing. And, you know, when you play a video game, are you supposed to be rooting for the person entirely? You know, like when you're Master Chief, you root for Master Chief. But that's true. In Assassin's Creed, it's a little bit different. You know, you're you're playing these characters who are not good people entirely, and some of them are downright kind of bad people. They're they're assassins, right? I mean, they're not not on um, the list of awesome people to begin with. Right, right. So it's interesting the way that they remove you from the situation a little bit. Um, the premise is that and. There are a lot of people that have more knowledge than I do because I never played the first one. I started at two and then I just picked up three without even finishing two yet. But the the premise is that there's this guy um, named Desmond Miles and he he lives in the present day and it turns out that he has these important ancestors throughout time that are part of this group of assassins who uh, who fight off basically the Templars, the Knights of the Templar who turn out to be evil and in the most recent um the most recent game it's different because it takes place in the United States the other games uh take place in Europe throughout history and you know basically miles gets into this kind of it's not really an avatar machine but it's that kind of idea where he goes into this state and he syncs up with the memory and the the data and all that stuff of his ancestors so he ends up kind of embodying his ancestors. So like in Assassin's Creed 2, you're playing as Desmond Miles, playing as <laughs> this guy named Ezio, who is like his great times 20 grandfather. It's like I'm really playing virtual skee-ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so your character that you're actually playing, you know, 
is Ezio. Ezio. Ciao. Ezio. In, uh, in Renaissance Florence. So it, it's really awesome. And the game is so historical. And there are all these um, codices. Like there's a, you know, if you press the start button, like in Mass Effect, you go to these menus and there are all these uh, booklets that tell you who everybody is. And, you know, the people are based on real historical figures. Like in Assassin's Creed 2, you know, there's Leonardo da Vinci and there are other people who are really living in Florence at that time. Um, but in the new game, um, you are going a little bit farther forward in time. So instead of like the Renaissance period, you're in the, I guess what would be called the Enlightenment, which is um, around 1750 or so. And uh, it begins in the present in 2012. And it turns out that there's going to be a an Earth destroying cataclysmic event and the only way for it to be solved is for you know miles to go back and discover the secret that his ancestors hold so he uh he embodies the this british um ancestor of his and i I cannot remember his name and i tried to look it up and it's not it's not anywhere handy so sorry it's not kensington chump um or atherton wing although it sounds like that it's a really super english name um, He'll have to rely on his personality to save the world. <laughs> his charms and personality. You know, this is representative. It may not be representative of kind of the normal video game hero, but it is representative of the complexity that can come into play when you are able to, you have some agency in the story, you know? And, and oh, that's yeah. that's the difference. Like in a, in a movie, you watch, it's there. In a in a in a video game, which has a story every bit as complex and, and, and is every bit as cinematic these days, you know, you, you do have the ability to play them and, and games like this that manage to allow you to build the key, like, I don't know, psychological to experience and build yourself the key psychological components of the, of the hero definitely connect you to it in a way that maybe even a movie can't. Yes. And it is uncomfortable a lot of times because, uh, you know, I'm playing this guy and his actions, his major actions have already been drawn out in history and you can't change those things. But as you embody him, there's this certain element that feels like free will. I mean, where you as the player can kind of explore and do little things that seem to not have a lot of bearing on the bigger story. So, for example, um, you know, I, I'm playing this guy who's um, Miles's ancestor, and he's this assassin, and he gets hired um, by a guy who was his tutor growing up uh, to basically go on this mission. One of the first things he does in the game is he has to kill this particular guy, and you're at this opera house, and it's amazing. I mean, it's like really being at the opera. Um, 1750, you know, London, and you're at the Beggar's Opera. And you have to climb up and, and kind of secretly go backstage and, and everything because the stairwells are guarded. And you have to climb into this special um, royal box where this guy's sitting up by the front of the stage. And you have to go in and silently, um, you know, move up behind him in his chair and, and stab him. And, you know, that's a critical point in the ancestor's history. So you have to do it. And you do it. And then there's this little kid who sees you who's like 12 or whatever. And he looks at you like, what are you doing? You know? And the character just has this cruel kind of grin and he puts his hand up to his lip, like, shh, you know, and this is the character you're playing. So you're, you're always torn because you're like, (laughs) at least you didn't run the kid through or something. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like that awful um, thing at the end of Battlestar with, um, what's his name? Cavill. Oh, yeah. Stupid, you know, the stabbing the kid. But, you know, you're, you sympathize with the character already because you're playing him, but then he does these things and you're like, why, you know? And I did that, you know, I made him do this because it told me to. And then now he has this cruel attitude. And, um, so what's funny is, um, from, for me anyway, he gets on a ship and he ends up getting sent to the American colonies. And I, I'm only at the very beginning of the game. So he shows up in Boston Harbor, um, after this long voyage, lots of adventures on the ocean Shows up in Boston, uh, and there are these British regulars, these soldiers who who work there as kind of the local law enforcement. And as my character is walking, they see him, and uh, basically he's running away from being responsible for the assassination at the Opera House. And there are people following him, trying to hold him, you know, accountable. So he's he's going through Boston, and the British soldiers see him and start kind of harassing him they like bump him with their rifles and kind of like ah, get out of here get out of here you know and my character um i'm like well they're harassing my character so i'm gonna hit the attack button which if you're in a fight with somebody that button makes you punch you know but if you're not already engaged that button can also kill so I thought, that, like, <laughs> I thought that we were engaged. So he'd been off the boat for like 30 seconds. Oh, the British regulars three people. In, yeah, and there are three <laughs> British soldiers there. And I pressed the engagement because they're harassing him. And then he just, he grabs the guy by the neck, slits his throat, and lets him drop to the ground on the uh, on the dock. I was like, and let that be a lesson to the rest and of And I was you. like, oh my God, what have I done? You know? And then the other two guys engage him, of course. And, and I'm like, punch, press the punch button. And he's <laughs> punch, not punching punch, them. He's he, he kills them. He kills all three of them. I was like, I didn't know my own strength. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know it's horrible. I feel like Lenny in the mouse, you know? And he's, so he's like walking. I could kill you, George. (laughs) It's awful. And, and all these people are like, oh my God, you know, and you see, you hear people walking and they're all running to see what's happened and you're walking away. And it's like, you know, and I realize this didn't have to happen. Like this. Moon walks out of there. (laughs) (laughs) It was horrible. This didn't even have to happen. This was not part of like. This is not part of the historical requirement. Like there are these main missions, and then and then this is just, just something like, that my character criminal. did. Wow! <laughs> yeah, it, I felt so guilty, and <laughs> I'm supposed to be looking for a general store, but I ended up sitting down and playing this uh, this board game that goes back to Roman times, and it made me so mad. The guy kept snowing me over and over until finally I learned how to play it, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> But when you talk about heroes, you know, it's very complicated because we have these sort of traditional ideas about what heroes should be. And there's been a lot of interesting stuff written about, um, like Aristotle wrote about what a tragic hero should be. You know, he should be somebody who has a major tragic flaw, but it can't entirely be his fault. Part like Oedipus Rex, you know, or... Um, whatever his downfall is, it can't be entirely his own fault because then we don't feel sorry for him. So Aristotle said we have to have some sympathy so that when he does have a downfall or whatever, we actually feel bad and, and invested in the story. I'll just kill a guards and, you know, it is it runs this guard through and somewhere throughout history, Mozart just fades away. No! 
<laughs> Needs replaced. I'm sorry. I thought it was punch. I swear. <laughs> thought it was punch. <laughs> I just love the way that they're the the designers are are making these games more complex. Though it's not just save the world. Yeah, you know, it's like you may do bad things, you may do good things, you may have to make decisions that actually you care about, you know? Yeah, and it's crappy because you know that, you know, your guy has to live so that Desmond Miles, who is a good guy in 2012, can live and save the world from destruction. Oh, yeah, there's that. So you've got to do, like, you've got to allow this guy to do these crappy things and even not allow, but you actually have to do them as him. And it's really complex you know i mean it's like when fable came out that was one of the first games that really held you responsible well and when fable i mean fables kind of evolved and then you hit something like skyrim which is completely shades of gray and you have all these kind of interactive things and it's it's you know everything's built around this construct and and you have to make decisions but the decisions you make cascade and you get to see them fold out and and how you deal with it you know you deal with this crooked guard at one point and uh you know he's doing a bunch of bad things and you're like I'm going to kill that guy and you do and but the game doesn't allow you to see until after you've killed him that he has three children that he's doing this for. And that's the reason he's bad. So he can raise oh, these good wow. and, and awesome kids. And you're like, well, I'm a crap bag, but so is he. And I'm not really sure what to do with it now. Well, okay. I'll make these children's lives better. And it, it becomes more complex. There's the games have a way of, of making you feel those choices. Now I think it's pretty cool. Skyrim's huge like that. Every time you make a decision for good or bad, it is going to cost you both ways. It's going to make your life more difficult. It will make the lives of people more difficult or easier. And and those decisions cost more other things. You know, other things. It's not just like, hey, let's kill a bunch of skeleton warriors and everything will get better and I'll get rich. It ain't like that. <laughs> I just wh- hacked the orb for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's fine. It kind of seems like step one with sandbox games was like to have... To just have the openness. Oh, look, it's a big world. I can explore it. And then step two was to add permanence, you know, yeah. where, where what you do matters, yeah. not just at the moment, but in the overall. And then yeah. adding weight to that, like you mentioned with Skyrim. And like, permanence changed too, Chuck. I mean, going from like scars that you carry and the way people treat you and stuff, but then it also adheres to your character and then it adheres to your character from game to game to game in the series. Yeah, there's... I'll tell you the the biggest crap bag I ever felt in a game was uh, probably in Skyrim when you meet the the Lord Dragon who comes down and he right. speaks to you and and is he's like hey you know hail Dovahkiin which is what your your name is in Dragon and uh, you know you're like okay are we gonna have a problem you know because the whole game you've been slaughtering dragons left right and backwards <laughs> and, and he's like no I don't blame you for being what you are and what you are is a killer of my kind that's what you're here to do. And you're like, oh, you know, this dragon doesn't seem like a bad dude. And you realize that this dragon has set up the the scheme for you to do this because this action needs to happen, and the only way to do it is for you to take the souls of his people. Oh, you're like, oh, like you made me feel guilty. I feel, you must die. <laughs> no, I didn't wind up killing him. You don't. And uh, I mean, you can, but I didn't. I'm like, okay, well. We both have problems. Let's deal with the problems. And, and he's like super nice to you and, and 
tells you, okay, well, you need to go over here, and if you call, I will come to aid you and, and all that stuff. And you're like, so you're going to come to aid me while I kill your brethren. I feel bad now. You know, you know? I'll, I'll handle it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to do that. So, I mean, there's – and it – it impresses upon you the the weight of what you're doing and it will make you feel like a good movie or a good book or anything like that. You're getting a lot of those interactions and, and what's you get another layer on top of that, which is the choice to do that or not to do that or something. Right. And the, the character that you become in these games is not as simple. Like Master Chief is pretty clear cut, you know? Right. Cloud from, from Final Fantasy, pretty clear cut. You know, everything's kind of laid out for you and, and you're okay. Uh, these, some of the commander Shepard, not so clear cut. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of those, those, you know, heroes that might do things that are bad or even evil or, you know, like I've had commander, good things in a bad way yeah, or bad things in a good way. Commander Shepard assassinate people before he was a Royal Dick. You know, he's been manipulating things since game one. I didn't like him. He wound up killing some people I did like. I assassinated his ass. <laughs> you know, not a problem. I didn't feel bad about it uh, when when the politician died. I cannot oh, remember. I know who you're name. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Houdina. Houdina, yeah. I didn't yeah. feel bad about killing him yeah, at all. I, Was it a crime? You bet. Did I feel bad? No. Uh, actually, this, we had a moment because Sean came <laughs> over here one day and he's like, you can kill Udina. Chuck's like, how? <laughs> He's like, there's this moment and you got to be ready for it and you got to be willing to take the renegade for it. Right. But you can. Like, my shepherd have. did too. You you shot him? Yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. I would have. Well, he was causing the deaths of a bunch you of think? other people. I mean. He's a, he's a douche yeah, nozzle. I mean, what I was, I, I felt like what I was doing was not murdering Udina. No, I felt like what I was doing was protecting people. all yeah. these other people yeah. that he was killing. Yeah. And, and you see that. Is it a crime? Technically, yes. Do you feel bad about it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Can anybody stop you? Hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so weird. I think that's why, you know, video games need to be taken very seriously um, as an art form and as a lot of other things. Like you were saying, Sean, it's like a good book or a movie or something where you're invested and you interact in these ways. Like, when we talk about our characters, we talk about them in first person like it was us. Yeah. Like when I just said, I killed Udina, you know? Yeah. I mean, we get really invested in that. And it's interesting because years ago, everybody was only talking about the negative. Well, I guess a lot of times they still do. It just depends on how familiar they are with actual gaming. But like politicians and, and media and stuff tend to portray video gaming as just just a danger just a threat you know that it has no positive value you know it can maybe increase your your spatial skills or something but or your your thumb tapping skills but overall it's harmful morally it's harmful in all these other ways and i think that these are really good arguments for why it's not harmful that it, it puts you in these complex situations and forces people to think and the kind of people who like games like skyrim and Mass Effect, and Fable, and Assassin's Creed, and all these things. Dragon that, Age, yeah. Dragon Age, that force you to be responsible for your actions. That doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, And it, and it puts you in situations, maybe before they happen to you in real life, where you have to make calls on and figure out what is important. You know, this group of people is asking for my help. Do they need it? 
do they deserve it? What will they gain? And how will situations be different after I give it or refuse it? You know, in, in uh, Dragon Age especially, you you have these groups of people like uh, uh, elves and dwarves. The dwarves are kind of dicks, but they have gotten handed a raw deal after raw deal after raw deal. Or the elves, I'm sorry. I'm getting just, just completely hammered. Every time, every time somebody makes a decision, the elves suffer for it. And you're like, well, you have to do some bad stuff to some people for them to get righted again. Is that cool? And is it worth it? You know, the dwarves have been have been made rich and uh, taken advantage of everybody. Do you help them, even though what they're asking for is not really bad? But it will make it so that other people suffer. You know, is that is that good for you? You know, what what happens with that? You make those decisions, and it's actually. I don't know, life training almost. This is basic moral philosophy and ethics. Yeah. And you're like, and it, and you can make bad decisions. You can see what's happening. You can, you know, cause I went back 12 hours one time. Cause I'm like, this decision sucks. Yeah. I don't like it. It's it, no. And you go back and you fix it. Uh, you can, you can't do that in real life, but it's, it's sort of like you're saying it's, it's morality and ethics and, and everything. And this is, it makes you feel and these heroes and these characters are so complex at this point or complex enough that you are made to feel it. And that's yeah, impressive. And, and these are the basic, you know, philosophical questions that people have always struggled with. And it's so interesting. Like, you know, there's, uh, first of all, there's a question of free will, you know, and Assassin's Creed makes me think of that. You know, how much free will do you have? This history has already been set out. He already killed these people. But how much of it are you doing and and how are you as a player feeling as you do it and how do you react, right? And then there's the, do the ends justify the means? And then there's like short-term benefit versus long-term benefit, like you said, Sean. You know, we have to do this thing that maybe isn't that bad on the surface, but if you think about it down the road, it could have bad consequences. And then all these things like two wrongs don't make a right, and, you know, if you a stitch in time saves not, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> or, or like when you lie, you know, people talk about lying and, and grades of lying, like there's saying something that's not true. And then there's, yeah, you look great in that dress. And then there's omitting something that's true and allowing the person to assume a lie. And then there's, you know, a lie. You know what I mean? Like there are all these questions and these are the questions that these games are asking. And on top of it. They're not overbearing. They're not preachy. They don't tell you, hey, this is what you should do. You know, if you want to yeah. be a renegade and you want to do this stuff, they're not telling you not to do it. There was this great moment where, uh, and we, we, I think we've told this on the cast before, there's a great moment where Chuck was playing Mass Effect for the first time and we were walking through and we get, we're, we're blowing past all these this things and, uh, you know, getting to this dude who's, who's doing some bad things. And uh, there's this moment where you're going down this hallway and you run into two guards and there's a dialogue option in it and everything and, and it stops the conversation. And it was kind of funny because Chuck didn't know that Mass Effect worked like this yet. And he's like, oh, is this outside of that club in Mass yeah. Effect 1? Yeah, and he's, and Chuck, yeah They're exactly. like mercs. Yeah, I remember and, this. And Chuck's like, man, I don't want to kill these guys. They haven't really done anything to me. I bet you they don't even know what they're here for, you know. And, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to. You can, you can do this. Chuck's like, how? 
know, and you wind up like, look, man, this guy's a dick. Do you really want to die here? Look, I just mowed down 15 of your homies here. You know I, what's fixing to happen to I, you. I've got a Krogan and a Biotic here. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we got, got a, a Krogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to die. Just go, and, you know, the guys are like, yeah, screw that. He sucks. You know, <laughs> they leave. Yeah, and they like drop their stuff and run out. And, you know, and the whole rest of the game, Chuck didn't kill anybody. He didn't have to. You know, he's like, can we get out of this? I wonder if there's a dialogue option out of this. You know, like, yeah, this guy sucks, man. You don't want to do this. And the it, only time that I just really, there are two times that I just really did want. <laughs> Udina. Udina was one. And the council. Because yeah. <laughs> Udina was one of those guys that literally was a danger existing. Yeah, we made a pact after the yeah. first one. Chuck's if like, there's, if there's a way. any way yeah. to kill Udina, <laughs> you let me know. The other one is was in that first downloadable content that they came out with for for the first mass effect oh the batarian yeah 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 uh, that, watching uh, the skyfall or yeah, something like, something that. like yeah. that that first one i mean he was just such a a douche a to everybody yeah i was like if there's a way i'm not going to let other people die in order to kill him but if you there's a way to, to kill him, and sean and i played it for probably i don't know we had more time back then like 25 hours trying to kill him and then Sean's brother finally figured out how to do it. Yeah. And we and considered it everybody. done yes. at that point. Exactly. Wow. It's like... Like, I won't let more of the I people I thought you were going to say the council was the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad about letting the council Actually, die. I didn't let everybody else die. <laughs> yeah. I, the council we, doesn't exist we, after the first... We have done unto you mind, as you so. have done unto others. So it's so. not really something I've thought about since then. <laughs> but, yeah, you just didn't help the council. Yeah. It's, it's not like you killed them. It was a murder of omission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just uh, we just saved other people instead of you. <laughs> the needs of the few did not weigh, outweigh the needs of the many. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We saved the rest of Citadel space instead of the five. Yeah, because I just kind of thought that members. was more yeah. important than a sack of whining crap. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was annoying that I could no longer hang up on them, but... <laughs> I mean, there's no one to hang up on. I feel Did you call just to hang up on them? <laughs> never gets old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, just like in Fable in uh, Assassin's Creed 3, there are all these dogs running around oh. uh, in Boston Harbor. Tell me the dogs don't get hurt. Nope. Okay. The dogs are awesome. They're always like running around and you can pet them as much as you want. Oh, that's There's cool. a little bit like when you get near the dog, it's like pet I animal. will not complete the mission. Be, <laughs> I will be like petting dogs. I did. <laughs> I, I petted one dog like five times in a row. I was supposed to be following someone to the next quest and I'm just like petting him over. There's this huge pack of dogs that follows you. And it's awesome. The dog now. was like lying on his back and like rubbed his belly and stuff. And, be cool if oh, they remembered you. I want that game now. I know. I hope that they do. That it was really cool. pretty sweet. The only time uh, there There's was a dog. There's unlocked. 5,000 dog pets. <laughs> I'll get it in the first 20 minutes, man. <laughs> yeah. There was only one dog that I, I couldn't pet, and it's because there were two dogs, and Aww. it only gave me the, the press button option for one of them. He's a lonely puppy. I petted him later. I went back and found him. <laughs> nice. I must have this game now. There's it, it dog cool petting. Too. I'm well, good. Well, I was sitting there playing that, uh, that ancient Roman. Tell me that first, not all the rest of this crap. I, know, I don't I know. need to know any of that. I was sitting there playing the game, like betting the guy and trying to figure out this like ancient Roman math game. Um, you can hear the dog in the background the whole time because your your screen is just showing the game, but you can hear the dog like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yay, he's Let's still around. <laughs> Maybe it's to you know assuage the other things you have to do in the game, like assuage your guilt, but works for me. Yeah, see, I would be all about that. I drag Bolo wherever I go now, except for, you know, like places he can't go. But we yeah. went into PetSmart the other day, and I'm like, turn it loose, homie. I took the leash off of him. 
you know, off he went. And he, he likes to stay like five feet from me wherever he is and just check back so I don't leave him, you know, like I've ever left him anywhere. But he, yeah, really. he always checks back, you know. And we, we come to the, uh, the aisle with all the like rawhide bones and he just looks back at me and like his mouth is like, <laughs> you know, his eyes get real big and he's just like, oh my gosh, I did not dream that this place existed. You know, he goes around snuffling. <laughs> That's that I would I would not make it like five minutes in, in Assassin's Creed once there's dog pen. <laughs> there will there will be nothing else. I'm like, how can I make life better? Do I need to raise the city for you, or is there somebody <laughs> I can like assassinate for you or anything? Assassinate. Oh, it was cool. I met Ben Franklin. What? Like right off the boat. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like a young. And then she younger... killed him. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's like, I meant to shake hands. No, I'm sorry, he Ben. This book. Yeah, I thought it was punch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hand you a turkey instead it was <laughs> yeah. cut your throat. Um, yeah, he has he has this book and like some pages are missing from it. And he's like, oh man, you know, he's like, uh, you talk for a minute. And he's like, I don't mean to impose, but if you could help me find the missing pages of this manuscript. You you're know? like, gotcha, Ben. And you're like, you're like, what book is that? And I'm like, oh, it's Poor Richard's Almanac. I know it. It's Poor Richard's Almanac. And he's like, this isn't just any book. It's an almanac. And then like the, the codex comes up. And it's, it, like, oh! it's like, Poor Richard's Almanac. I'm like, sweet, because I read like, this and everything. She's scribbling. And, it's like. I found your page. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I've got to do this like side quest for him because if I don't do it, then he's going to lose the almanac and then I won't get hired to teach American Lit 1 like 200 years later. Hundred job goes... The you're fired facts. Comes it was out. great. The, the, the Franklin character is really cool though. He's he's kind of like the guy in 1776 where he's got that, that like quirky, intelligent sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, you're like, well... Um, it's pithy puns all the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, well, what happened? You know, and he's like, hey, you know, it's okay if you don't have the time. You know, I understand, but but if you do have the time, hurrah! If not, don't worry. <laughs> you know, just. I flash back guy. to 1776. You know, imagine having that kind of street cred to your name. This is Ben Franklin, inventor of the stove. You're like, and many other things. Yeah, exactly. Bifocals. <laughs> Some of which are useful. Yeah, Some not not which. the only stove, but the Franklin stove, the the basically the the indoor wood stove with the vents on the side that would allow it to be like eighty percent more efficient. Are you kidding me? I would go I would roll around and, and all would, the time. And would put the, smoke. Of the stove. Tom O'Hara, how are you doing? <laughs> well, it had vents out on it so that this so that the smoke would leave the house and that more of the heat would come into the house because before that you had to kind of choose. Yeah. You could die or asphyxiation. Be warm. Yeah, exactly. Or die of chill, hypothermia, <laughs> or asphyxiation. Your choice. Your choice. Unless you have the stove. And it's not like it doesn't get cold, you know, in Boston. <laughs> not at all. I understand, sissies. Well, hey everybody, if you would like to call in, we're going to be talking about this topic some more, and we would love to hear from you. Two one four two nine six nine two two nine. Two one four two nine six nine two two nine. And you can leave us a message, and we can uh, play it in the next podcast. So if you if you have thoughts about the Disney Lucas stuff, uh, uh, Disney Lucas film stuff, if you have thoughts about uh, the heroes or villains in video games, and how video game play has changed the way we tell those stories, or maybe the way we interpret those stories, or anything, or fun experiences that you've had with them. Give us a call. We'd we'd like to hear about it. Let everybody else hear about it too. Wow, well said. Thanks. That's awesome. Well, we can't follow that. Audrey, got anything to add here at the end? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh yeah, no, just same same here. I mean, I would love to hear who's who are your favorite video game characters, you know, who are the favorite uh, heroes that you can really identify with. Agreed. Um 
you know, the, the person that if you could be in that world, is there anyone that you actually feel like you relate to so much that you would really like to be them? Whether it's or, a hero or not, it could be a side right. character as well. Yeah, exactly. doesn't have to be Sonic. It could be Tails. Oh, my. That's what I think. <laughs> Sean? Uh, thank you for everybody to uh, for calling in. It's it's been a while since I've I've heard any uh, uh, calls on the cast, which is awesome. Super cool. Isn't it? We're bringing it back, uh, yeah, bringing it back, y'all. Uh, it it's been. Uh, I'm excited about this this particular uh, brand of arc. Uh, I, I love the video games. They don't really, I think, get enough credit in my personal opinion. And um, Bender is great. <laughs> Awesome. I want to say thanks to Juan for handling some superb big technical stuff Juan. this week to make this cast much better. He does it all the time and it's and and uh you know, I won't get into detail, but thank you for doing that, Juan. And uh if you get a second, say thanks to him as well. And uh we'll see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, form moderators Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.